Welcome, everybody, to Fear and Loathing in Cinema Podcast. I'm Brian Kluger, and I'm joined by the two hosts with the most. I am joined by the two who I would hang off the side of a cliff <laughs> for and hope not to die. But Dan Moran in Austin, Texas. What's up, bud? Not much at all. I'm I'm ready for this one. I loved it. Loved it. And Press and Varta, as always, the man, the myth, the legend, PB. What's up? I'll hang next to you anytime. Hang next to me anytime. It's like the cat picture. Hang in there. Basically what this movie, The Good Son, is. We're going to talk about The Good Son here on Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. Well, what did I say? Las Vegas. <laughs> Fear and Loathing in Cinema. Uh, we'll get sued. Uh, the Good Son, starring Macaulay Culkin and Elijah Wood. But before that, the Oscar nominations came out today. And we're all big movie fans. Some of us vote, some of us don't. But uh, I got to hear from Dan, the Oscar nominations. Was there a snub? Was your favorite movie on here? What do you think overall about the Oscar nominations? Don't get me wrong. I understand that all this is political, and I don't mean political in the sense of right, left, that. I just mean backdoor producers get their movies, there's campaigns to get nominated, all that. How is RRR, how did it not make it in the 10? Just just from a sheer like um, cultural enjoyment, three-hour crazy epic of fun, I'm shocked that it didn't make it into the the 10 and i was also kind of surprised for the amount of love that it seemed um excuse me it seemed that the whale got i know everyone likes brendan fraser but i was a little surprised by some of the other nominations for it so those have been my two big takeaways obviously i think there's clear front runners which is going to make this ceremony not even worth watching because i think certain movies are just going to run away with it but I was surprised that there was no love for RRR and that there was so much love for the whale. Okay. So first off, um, Preston has not seen RRR yet. He will. He's going to see it in the theater when they put it out. That being said, I do know RRR did not enter their film into best foreign language, which is why it's not there. And they definitely entered it into Best Picture, but it didn't get in there, um, which is sad, too. But I think it's just a, a big mistake on RRR's part for not submitting it to Best so, Foreign Language. So, and tri- Triangle of Sadness getting a Best Picture nomination was quite a surprise to me, too. Yeah, it doesn't make sense either. Um, I feel like the menu would have been better, uh, best suited for a lot of that. What? But I'm I- I'm here... To tell you, The Whale is an amazing movie, and it deserves all the nominations it gets. <laughs> I I didn't hate The Whale. I actually The Whale was fine. I was just surprised that um it got a lot of it got some technical stuff too that I it just I was like oh okay. I mean, all right. So, Preston and I have heard like we we've, we've seen the we've been on interviews with Brendan Fraser, and they talk. He talks about like the makeup and prosthetics thing that went into him and how like detail oriented they went into. Right. Preston. Yeah. Very, very much so Uh, to that. They put so much thought into the, the mechanics of, of the suit and that it would be that 
that it wouldn't weigh 600 pounds, but it at least put like 300 or 200 something pounds on him. So it would feel as uh, to make it even to create, make his performance even more authentic. Um, And so when he's moving around and uh, walking on the Walker and things like that, that it just obeyed the laws of physics. I I will say the only thing that did make me laugh, and I have not seen it yet. I think it's coming on Peacock soon or something. Is women talking, getting a Best Picture nomination, but all, like nothing else um, going up there. And then I, you know, read a synopsis of what it's about, and I immediately said, "Oh, it's for four incredible actresses to just cook for two hours doing long, oh. incredible monologues." Like I'm not knocking. I'm just like. That's why I got nominated. There, there must be some performances in there that weren't nominated, but there has to be some sort of level. And the subject matter is so dark that that one kind of surprised me, but made sense. And I got to say, um, Brian Tyree Henry getting a Causeway nomination was out of nowhere. I thought I thought he was good in that movie. I didn't know he was going to be Oscar nominated for it. So he's been getting nominated in the past, like the Critics' Choice and a few other uh, awards over the past few weeks. So I wasn't surprised to see him there. I don't think he'll win because best supporting actor and best supporting actress are like split legit good. Um, so I'm curious and they, they are good. Um, I'm just, I guess what, what press and I have talked about, we are very upset that we don't see bones and all. We don't see the Batman or the Northman in here. Like it just, yeah. Batman got some technical things, but yeah, the Northman not getting any technical stuff was weird too. And all quiet on the Western front. What I thought was just a perfectly acceptable, really well done war movie that popped up on my Netflix recommendations, I guess like a <laughs> month or two ago is, yeah. has so many nominations. Yeah. It's it's pretty crazy, um, but it, yeah, I. It it, hang on, it is cute that they nominate anything else for visual effects when Avatar exists. <laughs> yeah, it's hey. just like thanks for coming, guys. We just needed to make sure the per head for this dinner. You know, <laughs> we we. Am I the only one there. here that thinks Avatar should not be nominated for anything? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I think so. Damn it. Even, even you know, I told you, I told you, you could say anything negative you want about it. That when that 3D popped, when they got to that underwater world, and they just spent 25 minutes like exploring how the water works and like showing all those animals, I was legitimately like four years old. Like, how the hell is this on my screen, and how does it look so real to me when I know this is literally James Cameron pointing a camera at a blue screen? It's just a blue screen with people with dots on their face. Like, it was amazing. Nope. Wasn't amazing. I disagree. (laughs) (laughs) All right. All right. Uh, Before we get into the good son, what movie do you want to win best picture, Dan? Uh, I'm going to be it. I'm going to be Banshees or everything everywhere. Okay. I'd be happy with either one of those just because I think everything everywhere was, um, is one that you can't I I'm shocked if I could find anyone who really hated it so I feel like it won't be like Shape of Water like people are like oh that movie won best picture you know I feel like that one won't be looked back on as a bad one and I just really like Banshees and everyone involved in it so I'd be happy if that one won too um obviously what- my and my dark horse would be Tar <laughs> Oh Tar holy shit <laughs> Oh my goodness okay okay so you want 
everything everywhere all at once what's your favorite movie of the year uh that's nominated the no the, any out of anything uh come back to me but if but if you said which one was my favorite on this list which one i had the most fun at when i saw top gun maverick that was awesome Okay. I don't care what anyone says. When I sat down for IMAX and Top Gun Maverick came on and Tom Cruise sent me a personalized thank you message for coming to the theater, I, I felt that. <laughs> that was a blast. That was like that was another thing where I was like, I'm in middle school again. I'm at the cinema with my friends. And this is a movie star just flexing for two hours. That's what it was. That's what it was. It was good. No, I love I love Top Gun. Uh, all right, all right. Let's let's move on to the Good Son. Let's do it. We're doing the Good Son here on Fear and Loathing in Cinema. Uh, we're so excited. Thank you for joining us again. Uh, over the last couple ones, we we've been in the jungle, but now we are coming to the city with a movie called The Good Son, directed by Joseph Rubin, written by Ian McEwen. And starring Macaulay Culkin, Elijah Wood, Wendy Crewson, David Morris, and Jacqueline Brooks. Also, this movie came out in September 24th, 1993, at a time which Macaulay Culkin and Elijah Wood were the new, hot, America's favorite children stars, child stars in Hollywood. And I remember seeing it in the theater. And I remember saying like, oh my God, Elijah Wood and McCullough Culkin are going to be in like a horror movie. Okay, I'm in for it. And I remember seeing it and I remember liking it in the movie, like in the theater, because I think at the time I was 12 or 13, kind of the same age as they were. And I did enjoy it. Um, that was my overall go-to. So... Dan, do you remember seeing this in the theater? Do you remember the first time you saw this? What were your expectations? And when you got out of the theater or the first time of watching this, uh, what was your thought? I do not believe I ever saw this in the theater. It's another blockbuster special that I remember the VHS tape very well. Um, and I thought that this was affecting and scary as a kid growing up. I remember saying, oh my gosh, like, my friends could be evil. My kids, you know, kids I know could be so evil. Like it just opened up this world to me because I was eight or nine years old. So I had seen some horror movies, but they're usually untouchable coming into your dreams or Jason mm -hmm. out at the lake or a, a shark chasing you through water. This was just looked like every single boring white American kid that I hung out with. And he was a monster. And so I feel like it stuck with me then. And then watching it again last night through the lens of a parent, um made me go oh oh, oh shit <laughs> like yeah. it's it's real quick how you can manipulate this stuff because because dan you have two kids right mm -hmm. and preston you have one child uh preston mm -hmm. same I question would never have to make that decision <laughs> <laughs> you wouldn't have your sophie's choice yet um but do you remember seeing this because i know you're a little younger so you probably yeah. didn't see this in the theater but do you remember seeing it for the first time remember your expectations what, what did you think uh i just copy and paste what dan said i watched this a couple of years after it came out because i was three when it came out and i wasn't about to watch make this my first rated r movie i saw that would be terminator 2. um so 
yeah, I caught this years later. I think it was, it might've been, my parents rented it from Blockbuster because my mom worked right next to one. And so that's how I snuck in all my rated R movies because a lot of them had very, uh, The Good Son sounds like a perfectly good movie to sneak in the stack. Um, so uh, yeah, I was probably like seven or something when I watched this. And yeah, I had the same kind of experience as Dan that, uh, yeah, everything in this world feels pretty tangible for the most part. Um, I mean, you can kind of knock at it a little bit with Macaulay Culkin seeming a little more above the average kid um, with the way that he talks and the way that he seems to control the room. Um, but for the most part, yeah, it kind of introduced me to like the dark side of humanity when I was a kid. Like you can just see the capabilities of a kid like it kind of has starts off in this way because I mean I had a rebellious teen years um <laughs> not so much pre-teen years but teenage years where yeah you're throwing rocks through like a warehouse and it's still a functional warehouse and people will show up and you run like it kind of tackles that sense of thrill and that's a little more innocent and fun even though it's kind of a shitty thing to do to somebody um but to shoot a dog and do all the other stuff put your uh siblings in peril things like that uh yeah there there was there was a much more evil mechanism to him than just yeah. but like that's how the movie starts like you're just like oh they're they're having fun as kids but it's it's borderline but then it goes yeah. to a different how, how far can we push this that right that's the thing that's that's what what made it so scary to me was just like you i mean I vividly remember there was a, a friend of mine had a backyard and their neighbor's roof was like really slightly slanted and it overlooked a fairly busy street with a lot of people who walked on it back from the pool. And we would fill up a water balloons and just launch these bad boys in the summer. And I mean, I don't think I, I could be honest when I was 10, 11, 12, I could tell you I hit every car possible, but looking yeah. back on it there's probably i threw it and then ducked down you know what i mean like i doubt yeah. we ever made contact with anything but at least I, it was I a was, water balloon and not a rock or something that's what i like i look into i i see that and i'm like oh okay so just like three steps past that is homemade crossbow <laughs> killing you know just like <laughs> you can you can see the natural progression of like thrill seeking uh yeah. not not to the murder level but you know what i mean like getting into real dangerous stuff with like a mr highway Right. And so yeah. it, it's in, it's interesting because we'll get we'll get into that, like into Macaulay Culkin's character's psyche and what they were trying to go for. But the director of this movie is Joseph Rubin, and he did The Stepfather, um, which, you know, The Good Son and The Stepfather, almost kind of in the same areas, like, you know, somebody in the family who's evil and doesn't seem to be at first. Um, then they did, then he did sleeping with the enemy, uh, and then he did the good son. And then of course he did money train, which is kind of like a comedy. Uh, and then Ian McEwen, not too much of a screenwriter, but a lot of books, but atonement, it, atonement. Yes. Atonement. Correct. Um, but the good son is, how do you say it's a movie that I feel like made in today's world in modern ways, it would be better than it comes off as now just from maybe some of the editing, some of the dialogue, some of the characters and having 
uh, more time with them to see where they're coming from because some of the stuff doesn't make sense yeah. now to me and how some of the characters act. Uh, but that being said, with The Good Son, let's talk about maybe why this movie got made in the first place. I mean, you're coming with... Macaulay Culkin and Elijah Wood at the time Macaulay Culkin's dad was managing him. And from what I've read in all the interviews and stories is that his dad was like, I do not want my kid Macaulay to be typecast as like this brilliant, fun, loving kid in movies all the time. I want him to do something dark. And so here's a vehicle for him to maybe show off his acting chops. And then you have Elijah Wood, these are like the two forces of nature, you know, of the child actors at the time to be together in kind of this brooding uh, thriller. And I think at the time it really worked. Um, do y'all agree with that? Yeah, I I would say when you're a kid, there's always this fear of you not being believed or understood. And so I think its exploration of that made it effective at the time. I think like you were saying, Brian, like if you made it today, you would like to think that the parents would have some more understanding or just give them the time of day to like hear, hear Elijah Wood, Wood's character out. Um, I, I just feel like, uh, yeah, there, there's a lot of things that kind of happen in, uh, happen in it when you watch it today, especially as a parent that you would, you kind of question, poke at, but when you're a kid, you just really focused on the, the terror uh, of Macaulay Culkin's character of doing all these things. And so you don't really focus too much. Like as, uh, when I watched it now, I really connected with like the mom taking time to go stand by the cliffside and just like really think about the weight of the trauma that she's experienced in her life after losing uh, her, her young baby and feeling that responsible for, uh, for it. And there's these little moments with Elijah Wood when he's getting very close to her and connecting with her because he's feeling guilt too for the loss of his mom, even though a real psychiatrist would be able to say, hey, it really, it's not your fault at all and then like create a little bit of understanding like that i think the dad probably would not take if made today the dad would not take a trip uh, a work trip for two weeks and leave his son during like the most traumatic moment in his life um so i i, I question that a little bit so there's the little things here and there where like some of the character decisions and things like that don't exactly add up but the thrill of it all the the hate that grow that as you as an audience member that you grow towards Macaulay Culkin's character where you're like this kid deserves to die um is is pretty consistent throughout the film and um but yeah a lot of the situations that they're put in like I I really as a kid really hung on to Highway Man I grew up watching CKY videos and they turn it around where they show them throwing a dummy off of a off a bridge and it lands on a car and it's like more funny in that situation but here to see all those cars pile up and things it's horrifying but, and so right because i think the cky the jackass guys did it to have like fun and i think here it was had a more malicious intent mm -hmm. oh yeah and yeah, because you're seeing because elijah wood's like staring over 
looking at him during the moments where he shoots the dog or when he does that to kind of study like what's his reaction like and you see like the, the humanity kind of slip away from him and that what that's what makes it a very interesting uh dynamic between them right right and so what do you think about macaulay culkin's performance here because you know you can look at something like you know home alone and you can see kind of like it's almost like a monotone performance in home alone you know besides him yelling yes and screaming and stuff like that but in goods in the good son it almost has that same feel but you know with like the terminator you brought up terminator you know with having no sense of emotion or feeling he's just talking and even when he laughs at the beginning or something like that it feels force and maybe that's him turning in a great performance and I think that's very eerie. Dan, well, do you think? So my, I guess my hot take over the top, kind of piggybacking off what you just said is, I think this is the same character he played in Home Alone. Just with the with the, <laughs> with the sadistic nature dialed up an extra couple. I mean, in that movie, he's very smart. He's laying the traps and it's all funny because it's marbles and it's paint cans coming down and people are getting hurt and he's defending his home. And this one, he just turns up the, you know, the darkness and the... they didn't have John Williams to support him here. That's what I mean. Like they, they turn up the danger level, obviously, and they turn up his, um, Oh man, his just being evil, his pure. Yeah. His malice up, up an extra degree. And it's the same kid. Like what's the difference between him, you know, spraying the water down and having Mr. Highway man, then him setting up the Michael Jordan with the trains going around in the circle. It's just one was used for an evil purpose. And the other one was to, to well, trick some bad guys. And he's setting traps basically in both movies. Right. And you have that kind of thing. But so here's a question about his character, yeah. about Macaulay Culkin's character. Do you think Macaulay Culkin's character in the good son is more like an Iago from Othello where his evil just is just evil to be evil? Or do you think that he was evil because he had a motive? He was jealous of the love of his parents or mothers. He was jealous I, of siblings and not getting the love all to him. I'll be, I think it's um, when we were talking about if this was made today, I think if this was made today, there would be five times as many therapist discussions and Google searches by the parents trying to figure out what was going on. I don't think this is a um, Damien from the Omen situation. I think that this is mid nineties trying to do a sociopath um, ser young serial killer growing up. You start with killing the animals and you work your way up the line um, is how I, that's how I took it. I didn't think there was um, them trying to be much deeper than that. And in an 83 minute movie, that's the beautiful part. It's just like, kid bad kid do bad things kid evil yeah. and 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 we get to get in these situations that are truly um uncomfortable and 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 definitely thrills yeah i think if you home in on a few either a few lines or a few moments that happen in the film like there's a line from the therapist in this when he's she's talking to elijah wood's character where she says like what, what he asks, like what makes people evil? And then she says something like evil is a word that people use when they're, when they've given up trying to understand someone, which is a really interesting thing. It kind of creates, kind of forces you to like rethink a lot of what's going on within Macaulay Culkin's character's world. 
and just the action of him probably most definitely killing his his kid brother out of jealousy of of him getting less attention and then so there it's not completely laid down but there's enough there for you to kind of make these almost concrete assumptions uh that that's it probably there's there's probably a little more to him and for them to have a line like that in there, they really want you to give some thought to, yeah, maybe it stems from somewhere. I mean, the fact that he kept the, the rubber ducky says something about him uh, a little bit. Um, Like, do you think that the rubber duck was a trophy or something just to really remember? I mean, it could be, I mean, his name is Henry. So you could do Henry portrait of a serial killer, killer, or I guess a future serial killer in this case. Um, So yeah, that's, that's possible. You can think about it that way, or you can think about that. Maybe he too felt some guilt, but just based off his actions and the rest of the film and how he's constantly manipulating people. I think there was probably a portion I don't know. I'm thinking like Kylo Ren. Like there's a moment with like the blue and the red saber when he kills Han Solo. Like you can see where (laughs) humanity kind of leaves him completely in this film. And there's parts, especially in the beginning, where you kind of question a little bit. Um, But yeah, I I would say probably more so than anything, he's probably just evil for evil's sake. But you can see a little bit of progression there to still bring that up as part of the conversation. Okay. Do you so? What about his parents? Because watching this, you're like, okay, the dad just doesn't seem to be around really at all, and the mom, you really want to side with the mom here. Uh, however, when Elijah Wood comes to her to confide in her about what he's seen, she just slaps him. Gives him a hug. Like, yeah, I was like, wait, what? What is there like a genetic thing? Like what? Because she, they're not great parents either i think just thinks they're oblivious matt uh dan do you think you have any what what, what do you think yeah. about that yeah it's an obliviousness thing they probably know their kid was a little shit but they didn't think that it rose to that level and so when someone's turning that lens on you i mean i think i know i've been there already with my kids or seen it with friends of my kids where their kid is being the instigator and then they get caught and the parents are more embarrassed than the kid is. Like, uh-huh. that's just, that that's a thing that um, happens all the time. And in this case, I think she knew like their family obviously went through a pretty devastating thing and losing his brother. And I think she always had a, maybe a couple doubts about the way her son reacted and um, behaved after that incident. And then you've got little Frodo coming up and telling you, everything that you feared may or may not be true. And she just reacts in a visceral emotional manner right off the bat. I, I right, mean, because I it seemed in that moment that she knew what he was saying was true. Yes. She didn't want to believe it because it would be like losing another child. Correct. Yeah. And, and that's the thing about this, this movie is it's, it's the early nineties version of we would have, so many people that would be like, is this movie wrong for the way it portrays this? Or here's what kid therapists think about how Macaulay Culkin, it would yeah. all, all of it would be ruined and put through a political arguments and medical arguments. And this one, it was just like, this is a shitty kid and who's evil. And we can look at it of him being like, 
the next uh, serial killer and he's keeping little trophies. Or you can look at it, he's truly troubled and wants attention and is just a narcissist to a dangerous level. And you can argue it either way without there being an explanation. And that's what makes it more yeah. effective, in my opinion. Did you love, because I know I like how the movie kind of just, you know, it starts off kind of innocent and then goes. There's a moment, you know, when... Macaulay Culkin and Elijah Wood, Henry and Mark are walking across the bridge and the dog starts to chase them and they're chasing, they're running. And then the dog is just barking viciously at them. And then Macaulay Culkin, Henry comes up and barks at him and it ha takes Mark to drag him away. And Henry's line, Macaulay Culkin's line is, I love that dog. And like, yeah. that's such a funny moment that could be in a comedy like that's something like i would say or something like that but it but then it slowly is like we're going like like uh, gonna kill the dog and he does it in like a brutal way you know there, there's quite a few moments in here when watching it i was imagining brian laughing at it there's like a there's a <laughs> moment where like the mom is talking to henry and she says you know what do you know what happened the night that richard died and then Macaulay Culkin's character is like, don't you know? Like, it's like, duh, he died. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> things like that. And, and the the moment with the cigarettes was so funny. Like uh, when Elijah Wood's like, dude, those, those things will give you cancer because his mom just died from cancer. He's like, yeah, but you're going to die anyway. So yeah. who cares? Smoke up. Or, yeah. or, or even when he's so mad, it just, it's, it's evil. But when he's like, your mom's maggot food now. Just, right. just yeah. like, it's right. such right. a it's such a mean but funny thing that a kid that age would say when he's when he's lashing out. Well, yeah. I think Especially that was the like don't fuck with me thing that he's yes. No, and so that's the great thing right there is that line, don't fuck with me, Mark, is you know, that's when Elijah kind of got his number and is like making Henry kind of think and feel about things. Cause every time before that, really, Henry's a a step ahead really yeah. and that's when henry macaulay culkin is saying like wait what, what's he doing like don't fuck with me mark you like because he's making him think finally and i thought that was like brilliant in that moment that happened but then you see the dog die and then you see him try to kill his sister and then you see you know the highwayman you know causing that pile up and then he's just going to keep going with this family. And you're just like, wait, what, how is this going to stop? How is this going to end? And, you know, you feel bad for Mark in this situation because he's just a kid that knows what's happening, trying to say what's happening, even to professional help. And nobody's believing him. But then again, Henry is one step ahead because he shows up at the psychiatrist's office you know and it's like wow this kid you know that's why i wish if it were made today you get like 15 20 more minutes with him because at that age how is he knowing you know without wikipedia without all these tv shows how is he knowing to get to these stages to like protect himself from people knowing what he truly is well and and that's the other thing you were talking about the parents not being that involved or being but like that's I was that age growing up during this exact same time. My parents never knew where the hell I was or what I was doing. I actually lived in New England at that point in my life. And it would just be like, we're going out to the woods. We're going to play, you know, and, and it's, and 
without yeah. the technology aspect of it, without all the constant social media or anything like that, it was just, okay, Dan's home from school. He's going out with his brother and the neighbor out into the woods. They'll be back when it starts to get dark and eat dinner. And, and so the mom, you know, having a slight idea, but she, it was so much easier to turn a blind eye. Like my kids don't go anywhere where I don't know where they're at. Like yeah. they go, they go like a quarter of a mile around the corner. They don't even have to get on a main road, riding their bike. And I text that mom and I'm like, they're on their way now. Let me know when they arrive. And she texts me and then her kid, the same thing when they're coming back, you know, there's no, we stopped off at the mailbox or we're throwing water balloons. <laughs> it's just a whole different world. Yeah. It, it is crazy. Um, there were little moments that I noticed this time around that I didn't pick up before. Um, one of them, you know, at the very beginning of the movie is, I mean, I like the transition of Mark's side of living in like a sandy, almost like is their house in the middle of like a desert, uh, you know, red rocks and mountains and then transitioning to the cold snowy main. I thought that was cool. But did y'all catch the shining reference in the beginning? Not immediately. So when Maine? no, was well, it so just Maine? it wasn't just Maine because <laughs> this happened when on their drive, but when uh, Elijah Wood's father's driving him and he's playing Game Boy, his dad says the same thing Jack does. Are you done bombing the universe? Same uh, line as in The Shining. You're, you're he, missing a lot of great stuff here. He says something like that. Yeah, he yeah he says you're 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 doing it, and then to me. Uh, one thing I noticed and I was trying to figure out if y'all caught it. So when he has the rubber ducky and he runs with it to throw it down the well, it looks like he is going to throw that fucking duck down the whale, like a fast pitch in the MLB. Mm -hmm. But then immediately he just like underhands it as if it's nothing. Do y'all think that was planned? Do you think that was part like of his character? What do you think about that? Probably uh, noted probably okay. told okay because i thought that was really weird because he really like winds up like an mlb pitcher he's gonna fastball that in there and then all of a sudden he just underhands it like mm, that's nothing yeah it's like he wanted to take back control of that um because he felt felt angered that he finally for the most part got found out yeah and but he wanted to feel like he took back control, control. look at you look at you I like that you got that. And then again, the one thing I noticed this time around. So the very last thing Henry is wearing is a jacket that is red and green striped, Freddy. very faded, very. And that's a Freddy Krueger reference. It has to be. I saw that too. And I was like, oh, I, I didn't even realize he was wearing Freddy's clothes. Seriously. It's basically what he was wearing. I was like, man, is that what's happening? Did you? So Dan, you noticed that press. Did you notice that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I wonder if that was just kind of like an homage, like, oh, here's that thing. Cause I was kind of looking in his shed to see if there was any like little things that, you know, that would be a wink to another Texas movie. chainsaw mask or something. Yeah. Cause you have like the doll with the that's hanging there and stuff like that. But, you know, like him being named Henry, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's Henry portrait of a serial killer and stuff like that. But well, a lot of that stuff of him, I guess this escalation of where things are going is very much Jeffrey Dahmer based of him having a shed and things like that. Yeah. And doing that. And, and, you know, you, you, it's kind of upsetting that he wants to kill his entire family. Like it's like the dad 
the dads in this movie are just kind of non-existent. It's all about the mom or the sister, which I found interesting. And maybe in the script, there was more with them, but it really focused on the mom. And I get it because what Mark says at the beginning, Mark believes you know, kind of in reincarnation, she's going to come back in some form. And he believes she came back in Henry's mom. So I'm curious if why the dads are not really available. If it was really just about the two kids and the mother who's very much grieving because she's standing out, she's looking out, maybe she's contemplating jumping herself. I don't know. Uh, But I thought that was really cool to show that element of grief to it. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't think they could have. They just weren't as interested or focused on the dads because I think it would kind of complicate the story a little bit. It is humorous to watch it, and especially when like uh, Elijah Woods, uh, Mark's about to go tell the dad about everything that Henry's been up to, and then Henry hijacks it and says like Mark, Mark and then he Mark runs upstairs because out of fear of everything that uh, Henry just said. And then he tells the dad about like, something's up with Mark. He's been acting very weird lately. And he's like, I'm gonna go see what he's up to. And then he just kind of like, huh. And then he goes back to his work. Um, So I I guess there's a bit of a a carry over here with Coraline and uh, that we, we were talking about recently on my bloody podcast about dads and just, that just seemed to be like the way to portray dads back then, especially in the eighties and the early nineties is that they were working constantly, didn't have much to contribute other than just being angry in the moments that they need to be angry. Um, like locking Mark up in his room and things like that. But uh, yeah, I, it, it just seems like they, they really had more to work with uh with the mom characters from what they set up and so uh there just wasn't a lot of room there to really uh focus on the dads as much as it would work uh as much as we would want it to work from a story perspective interesting so the last you know seven minutes of the movie the the fight scene on top of the cliff the eventual letting go and then it's kind of almost abrupt ending where it just kind of just ends right there. Do you like what Elijah's voiceover said? Do you want, do you wish you had more with that? Cause I feel like in today's movie, we would see kind of have like another three minutes of things happening after that, you know, after she lets go of Henry. Um, I just, it would, and, Sub question after that, did you have any doubt in your mind when you were watching it for the first time who she would actually save? Dan? Um, I didn't have any doubt of who she would save. Um, I, I I always I'm always surprised whenever the good guys, quote unquote, don't win. So I didn't think that they were gonna have the evil kid win in this one because I knew it wasn't an omen situation and they'd probably get too many comparisons if he were to kill off Elijah Wood, you know, and that sort of thing. Um, but I will say that I don't think I really needed much more. I kind of liked how we got our part of the story. We got through the most interesting and obviously most thrilling part of the story. Then it was over. I didn't need a big um, coda at the end with showing them visiting his grave, which I I hear was like um, in the 
novel that accompanied the release of the book there was a there was a novelization of this movie that had a couple chapters at the end about them visiting macaulay calkins gray henry's grave and this little sister growing up and things like that i didn't i don't care about any of that i just want to know what happened with with henry and uh he's gone and now the mom has to try to make sure she keeps that daughter safe and sound (laughs) Well, yeah, that's what Mark said. He's like, now that Henry's gone, everybody is safe. And he's like, you know, if she had it to do over, I would want to ask that, but I know I won't ask. So uh, I really like that. Preston, do you do you like how it all ended? Do you, do you think it could have been improved on even back then? I don't know. I mean, pretty much with Dan, um, I don't think there, there's a slight curiosity here just from like, if I'm just imagining reading this as a novel, um i would i'm curious about like what is the movie after this um that curiosity is there but for what this story is it kind of ends in this very cold way and a lot of like horror movies tended to end back then very abruptly with like you know uh uh werewolf in london and uh basket case and they all kind of end in this very cold way but this one at least kind of puts a question there at the end to provide a little bit of comfort, but still kind of raise some interest with like uh, maybe kind of compare it to seven with like um, what Morgan Freeman narrates about like, you know, I agree with the second part um, that sort of thing. And so it, it, it still has me curious. And so I think it's effective for what it is. And yeah, I don't, there's, you would just be dragging it out. There's, there's not much more to really, uh uncover uncover there like i like that it ends in this very like oh my god like that that would be like the hardest that's why i made this joke offline when we were trying to figure out what we were going to talk about next week like i weigh a lot of my decisions with like hanging your kids off the off the (laughs) cliff um and just being like pick one because i would never want to imagine what that would be like um so just seeing that living through that vicariously through this movie is what makes it uh, a movie that stands out to me and has had a pretty big impact on my life in the way that I, in the kinds of movies that I, that I'm interested in and the characters that I like. So um, yeah, there, there's, there's a lot here, but like I mentioned earlier, there's, there's character decisions, of course, uh that i can question but for the most part the way how tight it is it's like less than 90 minutes and it accomplishes all these things it's able to make you hate certain characters make you be with other ones um and so i yeah i don't think this movie could have ended like departed where like the mom does drop elijah wood and then the sister comes to kill macaulay Culkin's character um be interesting but uh and then then the cat and then the cat walks across the ridge at the very end (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly oh man so i really loved when she is holding to both of them off the cliff and i love that elijah wood's performance he is screaming bloody murder and macaulay culkin is still his unemotional self like mom i love you mom save me i need your other hand and it's just like that very monotone very just he's not all there and i love that part of it you know i love that 
that moment, that performance still, because you're just like, man, you can see this kid is obviously afraid and it doesn't seem that Macaulay Culkin's character really was. Yeah. Yeah. His, his sadistic nature really comes out even facing his own death. He's like, I'm already two steps ahead of you. I've already tricked my family for so many years that if I just continue to play this character, I will be the one who is saved. And meanwhile, Elijah, it's like, ah! yeah, it's no, it's out. it's sure. So, I mean, so this movie currently has a 25% on Rotten Tomatoes and like, you know, um, which frankly is bullshit. It, well, it got yeah. two thumbs down from uh, Siskel and Ebert. It's, you know, you're just like, wait, did we not see the same movie? Because there's a lot of good things in this movie. There's a lot of things that could be improved on for sure. Uh, but I think it's you can, a, a great yeah, movie. Yeah, you can dislike it, but if we're giving any credence to Rotten Tomatoes, which is a whole different thing, the fact that that few reviewers even gave it like just, oh, it's average or it's slightly above average to get it to that to that level is truly shocking to me because I think at a minimum you can be like, oh, I didn't really like it, but you can't say that it didn't work. You know, it's yeah. not a movie. Like, functionally, this is a film that has good performance. It works and it tells its story, which for me gets you up closer to halfway there. Now, it may not speak to me directly. There may be issues I have with it, but the fact that it seemed it's getting trashed on the. I went back and looked at some of the old reviews and I was like, man, were people just really in love with these two kids and couldn't picture them being bad? Because in today's world, we'd be like, like the minute Timothy Chalamet, I know he's much older, plays like, he couldn't even play like a real bad guy in bones at all. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like the minute he like turns, turns bad or breaks bad and plays someone really evil. We're not all going to be like, Oh goodness me. I can't believe our little darling is now bad. And I feel like that played into the reviews for Macaulay. Right. And now like, I mean, Elijah Wood's gone on to have like a great career and done weird movies. You know, he did Lord of the Rings. He did this, but also he did Maniac. You know, he did Sin City where he's playing like a sadistic character. And Macaulay Culkin, unfortunately, hasn't really done much over the last several years in that regard. But I still think he's a great actor. Yeah, Um, absolutely. And it shows in here. And let's talk about what do you think about the score by the one, the only Elmer Bernstein? Is it memorable? It's a little too big. There's there's a couple of moments where I was just like, Jesus, let 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 the let the scene do its work. And so maybe it was leaning into exactly what uh, Macaulay Culkin's character is doing, like he's trying to manipulate us. Um, Yeah, I think I thought it was it was a little too loud, uh, a little too big for me. Um, And I think it could have done. With something it does uh there, there's some jokes online that i've seen with um the mom uh played by wendy she from uh the santa claus movie like yeah she she um they they put music from like folgers commercials over like all her position like everything that she does in the film where it's just <laughs> the best like, part of waking yeah. and then she like looks up and she's smiling yeah. or so yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> hilarious um so yeah but i did want to point out uh before we get too far down the line is that uh what's really astonishing to me after watching it again is just seeing like how real it feels that these kids were 
put in that situation. You, Brian, you mentioned Macaulay Culkin getting there face to face with the dog, but it literally looks like he's there. It's not like Jungle Book where, yeah, they're stacking an image and I can kind of tell a little bit around the border. Yeah. It really looks like he's standing right there. Right there. Um, and I really want to know what like the safety team was like there, especially hanging off the cliff. I, I did watch like a making of and they really did dangle the kids yeah. off the cliff and uh, just had a harness there. And they said that they, they felt good and everything, but I mean, well, even, even the tree house, which, you know, I want to oh, bring yeah. up because that tree house, when you're like, that is like the jankiest tree house. that looks like the most difficult thing to get up. Like, and clearly, I guess the dad didn't build it. It had to be Henry because, I mean, yeah. it shows that he's good with building things. But, like, that was a very unsafe treehouse, at least cl- climbing up it. I think the treehouse was taller than the cliff. Yeah, yeah. It looked crazy. And, you know, you know the very foreshadowing of Mark hanging off the cliff at the beginning of the treehouse and then at the cliff at the end. But, yeah, they that, that was practical, man. Like, they, they put him through it. And... It seems like they did very well. And I'm curious, you know, it, I almost want to have like a resurgence of this movie because, you know, you see at the at awards times, you know, Variety and um, all these other magazines kind of bring people back from old movies. But we've never seen an Elijah Wood, Macaulay Culkin come back, you know, <laughs> together today and like talk about being child actors back then and making this movie and stuff like that. I would love to see that. Well, uh, Elijah Wood has uh, like two or so years ago, he he did like a bunch of stuff where like, you know, GQ run through your career and stuff like that. And he did talk about this He because they started with his uh, uh, Back to the Future Part 2 being in that. And then at the time, like what was it like being a child actor aside Macaulay Culkin? He talked about how like he yeah, he was. Uh, Elijah Wood was in like Radio Flyer and Forever Young, but admittedly Macaulay Culkin was like on another level um, just because of the Home Alone films. Uh, he was really recognizable because of John Hughes. Um, and so he said that it felt like that was like the first like real big celebrity that he and but still was a peer of his. And so it was it was interesting. And he said that yeah, in between sets when they were like changing the shot and had to set up a set up all the camera equipment and lighting, they would go f off in the woods and play around and still be kids. And he said that it didn't feel like there was an ego attached to Macaulay Culkin. Like he still was a kid at the end of the day that wanted to do kid things. And um, so th- yeah, there's a little bit of that, but I still haven't seen like anything from like Macaulay Culkin's perspective. Uh, no, it would be great to get them to come back to talk about it because I mean, I'm surprised actually this movie hasn't been remade because I feel like with the child actors today would even turn in better performances and they would be able to explore some of the things more like, like I feel like this is like a Blum, Bloom House movie straight and through. They'd all go, they would all go down the um, devil, evil son of yeah the devil situation they wouldn't actually go for this there wouldn't, kid. wouldn't be as much ambiguity yeah there wouldn't there wouldn't be this kid has an undiagnosed mental health condition that is turning him into an evil person because his parents aren't paying attention they wouldn't go down that route you would hope so though i i, I don't know you have, you have more faith in, in the hollywood scene than i do i just can't see him doing it 
They just get they would get so many letters from like, oh yeah. But this little movie costs like it, the movie made money. It made more than double its money uh, oh, yeah. at the box office. Like people went out to see this, and I don't know. I just I really like this movie. This movie holds just because, like you, Dan, like we grew up with this movie. I remember seeing it at the theaters. I remember following, and as somebody who was in acting and all that stuff, had an agent growing up in the same age as elijah and macaulay i just like man that's a fun movie to be part of and something kind of bold for its time with especially you know these actors that were only known for their sweet kind of movies i mean radio flyer isn't as sweet as you know home alone (laughs) or whatever but you know they were not known for this type of film and i thought that was pretty cool I, i think this may be the only this may be the only movie we ever do where we are like, no, this is a legitimately good movie. Like, I, everyone else actually got it wrong. Like, I think all the other ones we can make arguments and be like, no, this one's special to us. But I think this is an yeah. objectively slightly above average at worst movie with some really good performances that is just critically and commercial. I mean, I guess it doubled its budget, but critically and commercially, it was just missed. And I don't know why people look up back on it with such negative connotations because it's a it's a great '90s thriller and a great evil kid movie without the typical um, supernatural horror elements in it. Yeah, yeah, for yeah. sure. It's a uh, one of the it's one of those things. Uh, the Good Son. I I do think it stands the test of time, and I would love because I know they released it. Was it Mill Creek or was it? Kino Lorber. It was a Kino Lorber uh, that released it. Uh, I couldn't remember. Um, but I, I mean, I would love like a big all out retrospective for this, like on home video or a re-release because I mean, it's 1993. This would be the 30 year anniversary of this movie. It's true. In September, maybe we can get Elijah and Macaulay on the show to talk get about it, it for their 30 year. I'll reach out. (laughs) It's a long shot, but that would be super fun. Uh, But yeah, The Good Son, please watch it. It is on Stars right now. Uh, You mean you can you can buy it or rent it on any streaming service, but it is for free on Stars, or you can try to find the Kino Lorber Blu-ray, which came out a couple years ago. Um, The Good Son. I'm glad we all like this movie because. I mean, I've seen it a bunch of times and just seeing it again, you just notice things like like the Shining reference, the Freddy Krueger reference, just like these little things that Joseph and Ian did to get this performance. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, I get I get more haunted by some of the lines that like I mentioned with that one that from the psychiatrist or whoever saying that one line. But even Macaulay Culkin has some lines where he's like it something about like uh when you re- have that moment of realization where you're just, you can do anything you want and you're free to do everything, just like that sort of stuff. And like he says something very shortly after shooting that gun, um, when Mark says like, just scare the cat, don't don't hit it. And then- It's like, I need the si- the sights need to be fixed. Yeah, the sights need to be fixed. And you're just like, oh God. Um, so yeah yeah it's still haunting still haunting it is still haunting dan last thoughts i i'm glad we all loved it i think it is um it's less than 90 minutes and it's a great thriller horror creepy kid movie 
that you don't have to, if you're not into the horror elements, if you're not into the, you know, blood or supernatural stuff, it is the perfect right up your alley to be a scary movie. And if you're a parent, probably scary for a million other reasons too. So it's great. Everyone should check it out. Check it out. The good son. This is fear and loathing in cinema podcast. Thank you for listening. Preston Barta, as always, the Denton Record Chronicle, freshfiction.tv, and he's Blu-ray Dad on Instagram and Preston Barta on Twitter. Find Dan Moran. You can find his reviews on boomstickcomics.com. We're trying to get him back on social media. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll work that angle. Uh, I'm Brian Kluger. You can find me at High Def Digest. You can find me on Instagram and Twitter and YouTube. We love you. Thank you for listening. We'll have a great one next week. Uh, until then, watch Spice, World. <laughs> Spice World. Spice <laughs> World.